Halloween and all the goriness that can come along with that in the world's eyes, but, you know, it was a bloody cross that took away the sins of you and me. And uh, I thank the Lord that he laid down his life uh, for a wretched sinner like me. Amen. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are you thankful for the blood today? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. Now, these next three young men are like pit bulls in a cage right now, ready to preach this gospel. And uh, I'm thankful for them. Uh, Jason and Spencer and John are just fantastic young men. One of the beautiful things about being a pastor and being a leader is over the years I've been able to um, just pour into the lives of young people and just stand with them and watch their watch them grow in the Lord and watch their ministry grow. Amen. And uh, I'm thankful I had a pastor that would invest in me to give me opportunities and time to get up behind the pulpit. How many know it's one thing to preach in front of a in front of a mirror, and it's a whole other thing to preach in front of a congregation. And I've always believed we need to give our ministers opportunities and times to do that. Um, I'm just elated. And here's what I want to say about leadership. I believe a good, healthy church will raise up its own leaders. I I don't believe we have to go on uh, all these uh, job websites to try to find pastors and youth pastors and Children's pastors and so I, I just don't believe that's what God's will was for the church. I believe a healthy church grows up its own right in the midst. It's like an incubator. And, and all of a sudden it comes to maturation. And then God says it's time and they step into a particular role. And I pray that this is a metaphorical spiritual incubator for the Lord and what he's wanting to do, not just for the next week or month or even year. But I leave, believe for generations to come that God will have ministers that can raise up from this body, both male and female. Amen. I know that can be controversial with some churches. They don't believe in female pastors and whatever the case. But I believe God uses whomever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And uh, I'm just thankful for that today that we have just there, there's three. There's many that I can name, but there's three in this in this group that uh, that we have that we're going to turn loose to you here today. So without further ado. Uh, Jason's going to come, and he's going to minister. Can we give Jason a good hand of appreciation? Come on, let's stand and give him a good hand of appreciation. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Bright and early morning, feels like. Was up pretty late finishing this up, but got plenty of good things the Lord has been depositing in my spirit, and um, just many things to talk about. So, would you guys open up to Matthew 6, and we'll be in verse 33. And would you guys stand for the reading of the word? So, I'm, a, I'm really um, getting a lot out of this one verse here, and in verse 33. 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Would you pray with me? Dearly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that this message will be your words and not my own. Lord, I pray that um, I'll do it justice and that we will just be able to 
um, as all three of us will glorify you, Lord. Um, I pray for the people after me that we will just be able to uh, keep calm nerves and be ready to go for your glory, your honor. Your name I pray. Amen. Um, so this message has been kind of on my mind over this last, I want to say, week. Um, and this is actually our trunk or treat idea. So uh, hunting for Jesus is the title of my message. And so when it comes to hunting, you have a lot of things you have to do. Um, first off, one of the hardest things is often me and my dad struggle with is choosing the weekend to go hunting. Um, as we're all busy, different projects going around the house, different sports, different um, activities that I have, you have to choose your weekend. And so you say you get your weekend. You're like, all right, we're going to go hunting on this weekend. Okay, now you have to prep. You have to get all your clothes out. You have to get your rifles, your ammunition. You, or if you're going bow hunting, you have to get your bow. You have to get your arrows. And you have to gather all that up, pile it in the car, and drive. And we drive up to St. Joe. Uh, we have a little cabin off the Nottoway River. And so we hang out there for the day. And we unload our stuff, come inside, hang out. It's a good time. And the, right before we go to bed, we lay out all of our stuff. We lay out our what we need to take tomorrow morning, the heavy clothes, the your initial set of clothes that you'll throw on. You know, you don't want to sweat while walking and hiking back to your spot or you're going to get really cold. But you set all your stuff out and you, you look at it, you double check, and you triple check, and then quadruple check, make sure everything's good to go in the morning. And so then you wake up in the morning. And we wake up around 5.15, and I'm not the best with, at waking up. I'm definitely more of a sleepy type of person. Um, I'd rather stay up really late than get up really early. Um, but if my dad can manage to drag, drag me out of bed at that hour and manage to get out of the house on time without having to come back for something, um, we'll go. And we'll drive alongside the mountain. It's called Monkey Mountain, and we'll... We'll park, and we'll unload our stuff, get all of it out, we'll pray, and then we'll go. And so it's about a mile hike up and down some, like, terrain and getting back to our spot. And we'll get there, and we'll wait. We'll set up, get all, get all our warm clothes on, and we'll wait. And then you wait some more, and then you wait, and then you wait. Um, so to me, I really, this caught my eye and um, started to get me thinking, is it, it resembles seeking the Lord. You have to, you have three components. You have to um, decide to do it and prepare to do it and then actually do it. You know, you have to decide and prepare before you can actually do it because you are better chances of actually doing it. You know, if you have to, you have to prepare for hunting. I mean, you're not going to go out um, and get a deer if you're dressed in a neon suit and have a Nerf gun. So you're not really going to get anything if you're not prepared. And so deciding to seek the Lord and deciding to find him, you have to be ready for that. And then you have to prepare. You don't have to pre prepare your spirit. Um, if you want to, you know, find a specific Bible plan or a um, specific prayer time that you have or a prayer closet or fasting, and then you have to actually follow through. So this is the first time I went hunting is we, it felt easy to get up. It was pretty easy to get all our stuff together, go out there. It felt like a nice, easy hike out there, and it was um, a nice 60-degree weather. And if you guys, if any of you know anything about hunting, that is the biggest lie I could have been told the first time I've went hunting. It is nothing. Hunting is not 
anything like 60 degree weather and nice and warm. And I got my first deer um, the, that time. Um, obviously my dad and my grandpa both said, this is not what hunting's like, but obviously I didn't know that because this is the first time I've been. And so about every other time that I've been hunting, I don't think it's ever repeated even being close to 60 degrees, this, especially the second time where it was snowing and it was like, I don't know how cold it was, but even my dad was like, yeah, it's pretty bad. And he's been hunting many, many times. And so it was cold, it was snowy and difficult terrain because it's nice and slick out, so you don't want to slip and fall. But, you know, through this difficult terrain, and through the hard times like life, you know, you still have to seek the Lord. And, you know, you it's good to seek him in both times. Like if you can, if you have a good time, you are welcome. Just seek him with all you have. But in the hard times, you know, what do you do? What do you do when it's, when it's hard, when it's rainy and snowy? Like yesterday, we had the trunk or treat. You know, what do we do when it's raining, when it's cold? As a group, as a congregation, as a church, we stuck it out, and we went out there and had a, um, a great time. We had lots of laughter, lots of people come through and be able to um, just touch this community. You know, we stuck it out. You know, what do you do when you are um, tired, when you're cold, when you're stressed out, when you're overwhelmed, occupied, and distracted? You know, that's kind of been what's happening with me over this last week and even beforehand with lots of um, schoolwork, school um, junior year is a not fun year sometimes. It is, it's kind of giving me a run for my money. But, um, you know, what do I do when I'm filled with so many things that I can't, I'm trying to keep track of so many things or I'm in so many things? And, um, you know, how do I find my spot where I can seek the Lord? And that's the question I ask myself. And that's the question I ask you guys. How do you guys um, seek the Lord? Because it really comes down to how desperate are you for Christ? Um, and do you truly want him? Um, I was looking up the um, like the context of this scripture, and it was adding all these things onto you. It was talking about like your daily necessities, like your food and clothing. But, um, you know, if we choose him and seek him, we'll get those things. You know, God will take care of that. But also another daily necessity, at least to me, is God himself. Because it is so hard to wake up in the morning and have the uh, mental energy to go to school, to do school, to come home, to try to mentally calm down, then do homework. I mean, when I get to baseball season this year, we're having, we got a new facility and a new field for our school. And we're having uh, practices six days a week. And we, there's going to be some weeks where we have um, four games and two practices a week. And so that's going to be a fun one to get to. But uh, when I get there, I have to ask myself, how will I seek the Lord? And if I do, I truly need him. And if I do, then let's seek him out. You know, as a and I trust um, in God, the song that we just sung, it's um, it says a part where it's seeking the Lord. And it says it three times. Um, and, you know, you might seek him. And you might not necessarily get what you're looking for. You might not get the, his presence. You might not feel that. Obviously, we don't live on a feeling alone. But you, we live on faith. But to find God's presence, to give you that rejuvenation, you have to seek him over and over and over again. You have to really choose 
because it's easy to seek him when it's 60-degree weather and it's nice and sunny out and you get everything goes your way. But when things are not going your way, when you have a slip-up or a, when it's snowing and you're sitting there in the cold and you are freezing to death and you are waiting for a deer that seems like it's never going to come by and it doesn't. And then you're like, well, that was a waste of a day. Then you go out the next day, and then it feels like it's another waste of the day, and then the next day, and then you don't get it that weekend. You, you might not get it in the few days that you seek, but with your continual seeking of the Lord and continual um, pressing in, you will, will be able to find that, and you will be able to find that. Because I'm, I'm pressing in, and you know I'm struggling, and I'm, it's hard. And uh, this is really a message for myself, too. Because pushing in, seeking that, seeking God, it's not easy. It's not easy as even as a you know a teenager. I'm sure it's way harder for adults. I mean, I don't have a job or finances to take care of or taxes right now. Thank the Lord for not having taxes right now. Um, I don't have to worry about a car. My parents have been very gracious and taking care of me on that, even though I already wrecked one of them. But um, it's hard to do it as now, but it's harder to do it as adults. So I really encourage you guys to dig in deep and um, seek it. So you might not get a deer or, in this case, God's presence this time or every time you hunt or seek the Lord. But if you endure continually and you seek him out and you you stay where you're at and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you keep doing that, you will find God's presence and you will find what he has for you. And he will take care of your basic needs. He will help you through this life because life is a pain sometimes. Um, and yeah, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this message. I thank you for the depositing of this. Lord, I pray that this message will reach everyone. Lord, I pray for uh, Spencer and Johnny as they are following me up. Lord, I pray that I just continue all just um, blessing over them, help this, their messages to um, go forth as well, Lord. And I just pray that we'll all glorify you. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, Jason. Worship in the wait. Worship in the waiting moments of your life. Praise the Lord. Next up is a fine, fine young man, Brother Spencer. Uh, I can't say enough about this young man. Uh, he's been coming to our church for over a year now. And uh, God has done a tremendous, tremendous work in his heart and spirit. He is such a kind, loving giving young man. Um, God is using his gifts and will continue to use them in great, great, mighty ways. I'm thankful he's here at Gospel Lighthouse. Amen. Can we give Spencer a good hand as he comes? I'm going to be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. Uh, while you start flipping there, I just want to take a moment to uh, thank Pastor Tim and Tara. Uh, as he said, I've been going here just over a year now. and uh, But really, my, my story with them starts way before that. I obviously grew up in church with my parents. But the first time I remember that 
that next level experience going from a kid watching Veggie Tales to like someone who understands, you know, what they're talking about uh, was when I was 12 and went to their first youth camp back when they were DYD. And uh, my brother was in the senior camp and I was sitting in the audience waiting for the junior camp the next week. And I remember being like, this is awesome. Like, this is so intense. I see all these teenagers getting prayed for. I'm so excited for junior camp. It's going to be the same thing, but kids my age, it's going to be awesome. And I got there, um, and it was a little different, uh, granted. But I remember that year, uh, one of the songs we sang every night was the books of the Bible. Um, uh, It's 11 years later now, and I can still say every book of the Bible in order from that song. And I remember experiencing the presence of God in that teen camp in the audience. And I was like, this is amazing. And for a year after that, I was like, I'm going to camp next year. I'm so stoked. This is going to be great. I'm going to be a teenager. I'm going to get on fire. And you know what? I got there. And, oh, I'll tell you what. I got my calling that year. I got called to ministry that year at 13. And it's just, it's amazing uh, to be here now. I remember getting, you know, in our big lineups for prayer and I remember being like, God, I want, you know, I want the DYD to come pray for me. I want Pastor Tim to come pray for me. And I could always smell his cologne as he started approaching. And I'd be like, oh, here he comes. Like, I, I know this one's him. And so it always got me really excited. Come on. I'll tell you what. No, it was good. I was like, when I grow up, I want to I wanna have that kind of presence. So, uh, if you all please stand with me as uh, we dive into the word here. Again, we're in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And do everything in love. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving me this opportunity to come this morning and preach. I pray that as I go forward this morning that your words speak through me and that that I don't get in the way of what you want me to deliver to this audience. Thank you for giving us next generation uh, ministers a chance to come forward and minister today. And I just pray that you bless us all as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, as I mentioned, I, I grew up in church, you know, I watched way too much Veggie Tales. I still listen to a lot of Soleil songs with Larry because although I'm 23, I constantly fight that. Uh, I was in Bible quiz. We went to nationals. I still remember uh, a couple answers. I, I was on the team, but I was on the reserve team. So when when the good team got up and got all their questions out, that's when they'd sub me in. So uh, I was really more of a cheerleader, but I, I still remember a couple of them. I've still got it in there. I've been to uh, every camp since I was 13. I was in church every week. But these steps um, that we just read, I'm going to go into because they, they really control um, the pathway of your life. The title of my message today is Shoots and Ladders. And as we go through um, all these different steps that the Apostle Paul listed out, um, we're going to talk about how they can be a shoot or a ladder in your walk, depending on how uh, you go about it and the choices you make with these opportunities. The first one we're going to talk about, being on guard. Uh, now, as we already know, John 10.10 says, The enemy comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. This is his goal for your life. This is what he's trying to do at every opportunity. So if you're not on guard, he's going to sneak his way in there, and he's going to do that. 
when I uh, was seven, when I was 16, I got in my first car accident, and um, it was, as the insurance like to say, entirely my fault. And so um, they very quickly raised the price of my insurance, and then we very quickly switched insurances. And my loving father said, it's time for you to own up and take responsibility. You caused the spike, you get to pay for it. So I went off and I got my first job. I started working at Sonic and I worked there uh, right up until I was 19. Um, when I graduated, they promoted me to assistant manager. One of the things that promotion came with was opening the store Sunday mornings. Um, it is a Sunday morning now and we are all in church. You can't really do that if you're opening a fast food restaurant, though. And so I quickly uh, quit going to church, and I was like, well, you know, it's fine. Uh, I'm not going to church, but I'm, I'm still a Christian. You know, I'm still safe. I don't, I don't need to go there. I've got a good relationship with God. I don't got to be there every week. I'll be fine. This was my first mistake because I let my guard down, and I started letting these things loose in my life. The next thing Paul talks about, standing firm in the faith. Now, when you let your guard down, it's easy to stop standing firm and not realize it. When you're with people of a like mind and like accord, it helps you to stand firm in your faith because you've constantly got others building you up. Iron sharpens iron, so let your brother sharpen your brother. Now, I had lost sight of everything God had done for me growing up because I hadn't been in church. I hadn't been reminded of that. I was reminded of the kind of people who open Sonic on a Sunday, which, you know, pray for those people. We weren't always the best. I, I quit believing in what he could do for me, and I very quickly let that, let that mentality break me. As I, as I moved out on my own and started life, I, I lost my faith. At, at 19, I was a completely different person than I am now, and then I was at 13 when I got uh, my calling to become a minister. I got, I got involved in a lot of bad stuff. I lost, I lost a lot of who I was. I forgot my own identity. I was so broke living out on my own. I ended up having to sell the majority of the stuff that I owned to pay my bills. Because along with you know losing who I was, I gained this innate sense of pride over who I was becoming that I wasn't going to ask for help. I wasn't going to reach out to anyone. Because I had friends, I had family. I At any moment, I could have been like, Mom, Dad, I, I can't handle this anymore. Can I move back in? And they would let me. My room was still open. There was still a bed in there, but I didn't do it. I was too prideful, and so I, uh, I got stuck out on my own. The next one is being courageous. The Greek word for courage means uh, boldness and confidence. When we walk in Christ, we're supposed to walk with a sense of courage, but I didn't have that anymore. Uh, when I was a kid... When I, was, uh, when I was in middle school and high school, I carried my Bible into every class. I'd set it up on my desk. I'd set the rest of the stuff on my desk. It never worked out. There were always too many books, too many pieces of paper. Stuff was falling. And everyone in the school knew me as the kid who took their Bible into class. One day someone came in with one of those action Bibles that had like comic strips. And everyone was like, is that yours? Is that yours? And I was like, I wish. You know, if you don't find whose it is, I'll, I'll take it off their hands because it's cool. But... But I had that reputation, and as I, as I grew up, I ran away from that. I fell away, and I got so full of fear that um, I wouldn't even let anyone know it, that I was falling. I wouldn't let anyone know that I was drowning in my own sin and my own unforgiveness about myself. I was just, yeah, you know, you know, I'm good. I haven't been to church in a while, but yeah, you know, I can still quote the scripture from a Bible quiz. I can fake it till I make it, and no one's going to know 
what's going on in my life. I just wallowed around in fear and self-pity for, for months. The next one he lists is being strong. When you get in this position, I was weak. I, I couldn't say no to anyone. People would offer me stuff up, and I was like, yeah, stuff I, I would never have done. I wasn't in my right mind. When I was a freshman in high school, we, uh, we learned in health class that people would take spray paint, and they'd spray a bag full of it, and they could um, inhale the chemicals off it to inebriate themselves. And I was like, who would ever do that? And then here I am at 19, finding myself doing just that. I had lost everything about who I was. I had walked away, and I was pathetic because these things that he's listing out for us, they all became shoots in my life. They were things that I should have been looking at and knowing, but I let them all slide. The last one he lists, the biggest one, the one that you know we have as our mission statement, do everything in love. I didn't love anything. I didn't love myself. I didn't love the people around me. And this, this starts before I really let these things get to me. When I was 15, uh, some very very bad things happened to me with a um, an older teenager that I thought I would try and have a romantic entanglement with. And I just let that let that seek into me and destroy me. I didn't tell anyone about it. I was like, this is humiliating. How could I ever speak up about this? How could I ever open up about this? How could I let anyone know? It's outrageous. And so I hid it away and it ruined every relationship down the road because I wouldn't process it. And so by the time, you know, I'm here, I'm like, I can't reach out to anyone because, you know, I not only has that affected me, but every other thing I've let slide has now piled on. And I was like, I don't deserve, you know, the love that I know. I, can get. I don't deserve to go back home and be like, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. Like, I, I left and I've become an idiot and I've done everything wrong. Will you please take me back? I didn't have enough, you know, love for myself to do what the prodigal son could do and go back and be like, can I just, can I just, you know, work and live in the slop. I couldn't even do that. I was scared to love anyone. And I, it got to a point where I broke and I couldn't do it anymore. I, I hit rock bottom. And one night while I was alone, I, uh, I woke up in a pile of my own vomit and I, I couldn't move because of how many different chemicals I had coursing through my veins. And I was like, I could drown right here. And by the grace of God, I was able to pull myself up out of it and roll over and, and not die. And that, that night and into that next day, I just cried out. I said, God, how did I get here? How, how did I make this many mistakes in a row? How did I let myself slip from who I was? Because I remembered it. I remembered everything clearly. I remember sitting there at Lake Mauer on the steps, crying out, getting a vision from God saying, you're going to become a minister. You're going to grow up. You're going to do this. And I was like, God, I let myself fall. I can't handle it anymore. I need you. And I had that great foundation. And I knew all these things I was supposed to have been doing. And so very quickly, all these shoots in my life became ladders. So we go back to being on guard. I began to watch how all the friends around me acted, how my coworkers acted, how the people I surrounded myself with because whoever you surround yourself with is who you're going to become. So these people who were around me who were like, you know, it's it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. When I instantly knew it wasn't, I had to cut them out. I haven't talked to many of them since. It was just they were toxic to my life. You have to look around to see who's supporting you 
and what you do, and you can let them in. You're going to become the people that you're hanging around. It is a million times easier for people to tear you down than it is to build you up. So you have to be very careful who you let in to make sure that they're only people who are going to build you up. I'll have people text me now, and uh, and it's just it's drastically different. Back then, I'd get a text that's like, "Hey, you know, you wanna you wanna meet up? You wanna go spray paint street signs, stuff like that, just hooligan stuff." Now the texts I get are at seven in the morning saying, "You wanna go hit the gym?" <laughs> and it's it's very clear to see that I've, I've gone from people who discourage me and try to get me in trouble and try and use me for their own amusement to people who build me up even when I don't want to be woken up that early and I definitely don't want to go you know strain every muscle in my body trying to catch up with someone who I can't, you know? What you let in, what surrounds you, is who you become. So you have to constantly be on guard. The next one he listed was standing firm in the faith, giving tithe, Giving tithe was the first thing that God attacked me with. I guess not attacked. The first thing God laid on my heart when I rededicated my life. Because I, as I mentioned, I was broke, broke. I couldn't afford anything. And uh, I remember I went back to um, I went back to church and I was talking to my pastor and I was like, Pastor, I've got forty dollars. I had a four hundred dollar check. I've got forty dollars left. That's the ten percent. That can be my tithe. Or that can be, you know, my car insurance money. But it can't be both. I'm either going to lose car insurance or I'm going to, you know, pay tithe. And he said, you have to do what God calls us to do. It's not an option. And so I made the the first of many very scary tithes in my life where I gave out of, you know, poverty. I gave everything I had and I waited. The next day, I got an email from my car insurance company and they said, um, it was the middle of the pandemic. They said, we understand a lot of people are going through hardship. We're giving you $80 back. And I was like, okay, so progressive is doing God's work now. So this is, this is pretty cool. And so I got that money. I was like, you know, yeah, I got, not only did I get that money back, I got a little extra. I was like, you know, God's good. He couldn't stop blessing me. That night, I, um, I got a knock at the door from one of my coworkers, and he had showed up with his wife and his daughter, and all three of them had arms full of grocery bags. They filled my fridge and my cabinets to the point, they had to take stuff home with them because it wouldn't fit in my apartment. Um, and I, I remember crying, and I was like, why would you do this? And he said, I've been working with you, I've seen you struggling, God laid on my heart to you know, go shopping for you. We went up and down the aisles, anything we saw that God pointed out to us, we picked up. And I mean, I had Hot Pockets, Pop-Tarts, everything a 19-year-old dreams of. I was big living. God won't fail us when we are faithful to him. When you read your word, pray, uh, you stand up to the, the people pushing wrong agendas against you. I'm not talking about the political agendas. You know, I, I know very well everyone's more than happy to speak up against the opposing candidate. I'm talking about when people are coming at you with the spiritual agenda that we just let slide because it's it's not as important as politics. That that doesn't sound right. I can't. Uh, yeah. So when people come at you with a spiritual attack, come at them with the ferocity that you do when someone attacks your presidential candidate. How about that? 
Our next one, uh, being courageous. One of the um, things I've done in my life that required the most courage for me, mind you, last month I jumped out of an airplane. One of the most courageous things I've had to do was go back and apologize to uh, the people that I had hurt. When I realized I had to go back to church and get my life back involved in God, he said I had to go back to the church that I had left. And I didn't leave under great um, pretenses, so I had to go back and apologize. And in you know retellings of stories, I found out um, not only the stuff that I knew I did wrong, but I also made um, many, many more mistakes, including um, some pretty embarrassing stuff I said from behind the pulpit when I was a teenager, because we did youth nights um, the last Sunday of every month. And when I was 14, man, I was on fire, but it was, I don't know if it was the Holy Ghost, because I said some, some pretty weird stuff. So I had to go back and I had to apologize for you know being rude, for disrespecting them, um, for saying that everything I was doing was their fault. And then I had to apologize for, you know, putting my foot in my mouth from behind the pulpit. Going back and apologizing and owning up to your mistakes is just a fantastic way to heal and to move forward. Obviously, it's not right for every situation. There are some things where, you know, you need to forgive them, forgive yourself, but don't don't go reaching back out to them because it's not going to help you. Sometimes you got to cut your losses, but when you're when you're offending people of like faith, when you're making mistakes in the church, it's always good to go back because we, you know, we're gospel lighthouse, but everyone in a church is part of God's people. And we don't need to be creating divides between churches. We need to be going out and sewing it all back together. The next one, being strong. Not all strength is, you know, muscles. If it was, Jason would be the strongest one out of us. You know, he'd, he'd be having the best sermon out here. He'd be whooping my butt. Drew could, you know, kick me from here to Texas, I'm sure, if he wanted to. But luckily for me, who um, has to use some of the equipment at the gym without weights on it, <laughs> luckily for me, some strength isn't based on muscle. Sometimes you have to have strength simply to do the right thing when it isn't the easiest to do. You know, cleaning up and, and getting sober, getting up everything that I was involved with, it took a lot of strength. And opening up to people about the fact that I was struggling took even more strength. Because, I mean, it's easy to struggle in darkness when no one looks at it. But to open up and be like, I messed up is a, a terrifyingly hard thing to do. And I didn't even realize that it was something that I had to do until I was at youth camp as an adult, being an intern. And I was sitting there. When I was 13, we, um, and Johnny and LT can attest to this, we'd have like half the guys in one dorm up until 2 a.m. just being like, you know, this is what I've struggled with, this is, and just building each other up and having that camaraderie. Now, as an adult, I was sitting in camp, and these kids were like, yeah, you know, my, you know, my dad did this, and, and opening up and being vulnerable. And I realized I was now in the position to open up and be like, I understand. I've been there, you know, here's my story. Here's how I got through it. And it gave me the opportunity to teach them how to get through it, just as that was passed down to me when I was their age. So sometimes sometimes being strong just means opening up and being vulnerable, and which is, is terrifying. And it hurts, but as I quickly learned going to the gym, getting stronger hurts. It hurts a lot for weeks at a time, even when the strong people are, you know, saying, quit, quit the patty cake, grow up. And um, 
the last one, of course, our, our mission statement. Do everything with love. Love God, love people, make disciples. Turning back meant letting go of the past and learning to love again, to love God, to love people. Jesus' two big commandments in life are those, love God, love people. If you do this, everything else will fall into place. And that, that's what I needed in life. I needed to learn to let myself love again. Because for, for several years, I wouldn't say that I loved anyone. People would be like, I love you. You know, my parents would be all right. Good night. I'd love you. You'd be like, oh, I'm sure you do. You know, the things teenagers say. For two years, I did this. I wouldn't say it to anyone because I said it to one person and they turned around and manipulated, with, uh, manipulated me and used it against me. So I had to go back. I had to heal that. And now, I mean, I like to consider myself a pretty loving person. Obviously, I, uh, I mess around with people. You know, everyone in this room can attest to uh, some sort of joke I've made at, at someone's expense. But I try to do it out of love because I really do. I, everyone in this room I love. You guys are great people. You've welcomed me into this church over the past year. When I left my last church, less than two hours after I had formally resigned, I was getting phone calls from our pastors saying, you're welcome here. If you, if you don't want to stay, you don't have to stay. But while you don't have a church, you're more than welcome to come sit in here. And I sat in. I visited a couple times already. And instantly I was like, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. This is home for me. So to, um, to kind of bring this plane down a little bit so that John can hop on and bring us home, I just want to again thank uh, Pastor Tim and Tara for welcoming me in. And I want to encourage everyone to take this with you. Let this be a ladder for you to encourage you to build forward so that you don't slip and fall into these things because it's, it's a scary place to be in and it is super hard to get out of. So I'll go ahead and close this with prayer and uh, we can get ready for John to take over. Dear Jesus, thank you for letting me come out today and, uh, and give this word. I pray that it, you let it grow in people's hearts and that you let it encourage them and strengthen them in their walk. Thank you for letting us all be here. Thank you for giving us this amazing church, and uh, I pray that as we go forward, your presence just continues to fill this room. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Great job, Spencer. First Corinthians 12, uh, the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, and I sense the grace of the Lord has been upon you, Spencer, and so appreciate God. And what he's done. Amen. Last but not least, uh, John is going to come. Uh, I so appreciate John. Uh, most of you don't know he was a champion Bible quizzer for the Central District PCG, went on the Nationals, done tremendous. Uh, he's much like his father. Uh, most of you know Brother Robert, or some of you know Brother Robert, who's a pastor now. My brother in St. Joe, Missouri, has a photographic memory. And uh, John is like that, and I've, I've told him a long time ago, I want to hear you do more ministry stuff. I want to hear you preach more. And so he is he's stepping up and really doing some wonderful, wonderful things. We're thankful he's part of our media team and such. Can we give John a good hand as he comes? I wish I could say I'm as comfortable behind the microphone as Spencer. Um, that's not me at all. But 
I want to talk about today faithfulness. Um, the surprising thing is I did not talk to Jason at all, what he was talking about, and it kind of goes together with it. But um, turn with me to Hebrews 11.1, 1, and we will get started. This message was brought to me one morning out of a dead sleep. I have a message that would have been brewing in my heart for about a year and a half, but I guess I'll leave that one in my back pocket for a rainy day. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I also looked up what Webster Dictionary would define faith as, and it is the allegiance to duty or a person. So my first point is, why is it important to be faithful? In Romans 1.17, it says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. If we walk around just simply not having an attitude of faith, we can stumble and waver. Honestly, look back at times as kids now, but we're adults, but I grew up in Sunday school with, in teens, class, and sometimes actually school because I went to a private school. Many have lost their way. I can only think of maybe four that are still in church. Another scripture says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it, is by, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith that this is not from yourselves. It is gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, for which God is prepared in advance for us to do. My pastor as a child, as you've heard Pastor Tim say before, you don't know what you're capable of when you get out from under the hand of God. So it is very important to maintain faithful to God and to church, etc., everything like that. But when we look at God's scripture, what is something that stood the test of time for generations and generations, we look and say, you know, oh man, God can't hear me. God ain't going to fulfill my prayer or whatever. That may be true. Because in Psalm 66, 18, it says, if I regard an iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So you could be the reason for your own prayer not being answered. But don't lose the faith. And iniquity is defined as a gross injustice or wickedness. So sometimes, you know, we look, honestly, and I'm, and I'm even sometimes at fault for this. We can look, we can look at Patrick Mahomes and be like, he's going to go down there and score a touchdown. We have the faith. But when it comes to our prayer, we're just like, oh, no. We have more faith in Patrick Mahomes than the Lord. That's terrible. Like I said, I'm guilty of it. So not preaching anything, I don't know. Point number two, when should we be faithful? Obviously, always. There isn't any ands, if, or buts to always being faithful. That's not even just God that's in everything you do to be faithful to the church, paying tithes, your significant other, whatever it may be. Timothy's not going to show up one Sunday and be like, well, I'm not going to play the guitar. You know, so my eighth grade teacher once said, I would rather live for God and be wrong than not and be wrong. When I look at the Bible and think of faithfulness, I think of Job. He lost everything and he remained faithful 
His wife even told him to curse God and die. And he did. He just, he stayed faithful. He just stayed faithful and God restored everything to him double. Another important scripture to remain faithful is Galatians 5, through 23. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Matthew 5.17 says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I do not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. We are to fulfill the law as Jesus did. And we must walk in the Spirit. Point number three is keeping the faith. I was at the youth rally last month, and we were talking about, Pastor Daniel was talking about Jericho walls and how they would be broken down. But they also can be rebuilt if you let them. As Spencer was saying, you know, you lose your way and things can be rebuilt that you had before. And in Revelations 2.10, it says, The Lord promises eternal rewards to those who faithfully serve Jesus even unto death. Matthew 5.25-23, sorry. His master said unto him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I understand that keeping the faith is hard. But as I myself has watched someone very important in my life be faithful her whole life, and that was my mom. When I was born, she was diagnosed with congestive heart failure. And she, she, they told, the doctor told her she would not make it to see me past kindergarten. And my dad and my mom prayed and prayed, and she, and she got better. She's not perfect, you know. She still has her days. But once all that had gone through, I passed kindergarten. She was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. She had one of her thyroids taken out. They thought they caught it all. She had th- cancer on the other thyroid, so they had to take out the other one. But she remained faithful to the very end. Finally, I'll end with this. When you are down and beginning to doubt and your faith is wavering, put your hand on your heart and remember one thing. That heartbeat is purpose. You always have a purpose when your heart is beating. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Praise the Lord. Can we stand to our feet? What tremendous, tremendous men of God. LT, would you help me for just a few moments? Would you help me with the guitar for just a few moments? Well, you got a three for one today. You got three fine young men that, uh, that are not going to go on and do great things. They're already doing great things. And I so, so appreciate them. And we have so many young people in this church today that uh, have something that the Lord is going to use, some talents and giftings. And undoubtedly the Lord, the faithfulness, I think about that, John, and how, how many of us, as we go around the room, we could talk about the faithfulness of God and what that has looked like. Amen? How many has God ever brought you through a really dark season, a dark time, 
in His faithfulness. And just you sometimes not wanting to get up depressed in the morning, not wanting to get out of bed, not wanting to go to work, not wanting to face life. But you just you just get up out of bed and just trust the Lord and you put one foot in front of another and it's a faith walk. It's not knowing what's ahead of you, but it's knowing who is ahead of you. And who has you in the palm of your hand. That's the faithfulness of God. It's just knowing that He's going to carry you no matter what situation that you endure and you struggle with. You know, I think about no matter where you're at in life, whether you're 2, you're 22, or 92 right now, we all are going to go through troubles and trials. I remember some highlight moments in my life of graduating high school and getting married and having children and all of those things. And each one of them had struggles along the way. Every success that you have in life was, was paved down a road of struggle. And you stay the course. That's what gets you to the end. And that's what ultimately Paul said when he said, I fought a good fight because life is a fight sometimes. We don't like to fight, obviously, physically. We don't promote that. We're not UFC fighters in here, but we are fighters in the kingdom of God. To where we say, Lord, I know you've got this battle that's ahead of me. I know you've got this trial that I'm going through. I know that this temptation is only taking me, but that which is common. But with every temptation, you provide a way of escape that we and I might be able to bear that thing. So no matter where you are in life right now, your faith in God is what's going to carry you to the next moment. Your faith, your belief, either you believe he can or you believe he won't. And I don't know, but over the past few years, I've got a, I've got a couple, a dear couple that are like my best friends these days that pray for me and my beautiful wife and our family. And I tell you, something in my spirit has rose up over the last several months. I feel a faith. I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes in my life I could charge Hell's Gates with a water pistol. Because for the first time in my life, I truly believe. Now, my mother was a praying mother, but she's passed. My father was a praying father. But now I have some earthly people that are standing with me now, right this very moment, that pray for me and help me walk through some difficult situations. And my faith in God has allowed me to get to where I am today. I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you that the Lord will take you through no matter what you're dealing with. He can take you through. Sometimes you think you have life by the tail. I remember, you know, being called to the ministry, Jason, Spencer, John. And, you know, you envision yourself preaching to the masses and everybody responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ and sometimes it can be uncomfortable as a minister you're ministering and you don't think anybody's even listening or watching or just kind of in their own world maybe just you know it'd be better if you was reading from the TV guide maybe but I remember being called to preach and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and when I got that message from the Lord and it was affirmed through another individual, I remember thinking, man, in six months, I'm going to have a church. For the next six months, I went through some of the most difficult things in my entire life. It was a faith walk. And it's that old saying, and I got to close because I got so much I could say, but 
a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Your faith has to be tested to know what you're capable of. And we are capable of nothing in and of ourselves. It's not me, it's Christ that lives within me. How many would say that? Say amen to that. It's His strength that's made perfect in weakness. And it's His grace that's going to be sufficient for each one of us today. So without further, I just want us to lift up our hands toward heaven. And I don't know where you are. Maybe you, you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you just need a moment where you need a time of refreshing where the Holy Spirit comes and brings a renewal to you. So right at this very moment, just lift up your hands toward heaven and say, God, right here I am. I don't know what you have struggled with. I don't know what trials or temptations or heartaches or illnesses that have tried to keep and divert your focus in another way. But I'm telling you today that the Lord, His grace is sufficient for you in whatever has happened in your life. You are not going to be cast away. You're not going to be thrown away. You're not going to be pushed aside. You're not going to... If you keep moving forward, God can use anybody but a quitter. And I pray today a spirit of resiliency would rise up in our congregation amongst our people. That we realize with Him we are the head and not the tail. We're above and we are not beneath today. And then it's not me that's great, it's Him. It's Christ that lives within me today. That is great. And with the great I am on my side, I can never fail, I can never falter because He's never lost a battle. And as I walk with Him through the cool of the day and I walk with Him and talk with Him and and I pour out my heart and my spirit, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of me and says, I'm going to lead you into all truth. I'm going to lead you into the truth of what I have prepared for you and what I've laid out for you in the, in the times of your life when I have ministered. I'm laying that out for you right now. My grace is sufficient. So today, I, I, I pray healing floods this house. I pray that what the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy in your life can be eradicated right now. Somebody asked me the other day, said, Pastor, can, can God, can you forgive? Can you forget about all the things that's happened? No, we don't forget. But we can move on by His grace. And we can become better because of it. Not as a badge that we wear, but as in simply knowing that God is the one that brought me through. He is my vindicator. He is my help. He is my source and strength. My ever-present help in time of trouble. So right now, I want you to lay your hands on your neighbor. And I want to do some body ministry just for a few moments. I want you to just pray. Here's what I, what I want you to pray right now. I want you to pray for the greatest need they have in their life. Say, Pastor, I don't know what the greatest need is, but the Lord knows. And the Lord is here to answer prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So I want us to pray right now. Come on. To the right hand or to the left or even both ways right now. Pray for each other. Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, help me pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, come on, I pray over, and we lay hands on our neighbor. We lay hands on those, our brothers and sisters, our our family members, those that are next to us, our our church family. We lay hands on them right now, believing that you're going to raise them up. I pray your strength would be 
present in their life, Lord. No matter what the obstacle is, God, you can get us through. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, God, you've got it in, her, and in the palm of your hand. You've got it in control right now. You have the answer before we have the questioning. God, you are omniscient in all things, all-knowing, all-powerful, the omnipotent God, the omnipresent God that goes with us everywhere at all times in all places. I'm thankful right now. We pray for one another. We pray. We carry and bear one another's burdens. I pray over our children. I pray over our couples. I pray over our families. I pray over our singles today. God, have your will. And God, have your way. I pray a hedge around our lives, around our spirits, around our, our church, around our homes, around our city, around our nation right now. As we're in turmoil everywhere, it seems as though we don't know what's going to happen on the next day. We don't know what's going to happen on the morrow, but we know who holds tomorrow in the palm of your hands. And so, God, we're not going to stay up late tonight worrying about anything. We're putting our faith and trust in you right now to take us through. In the name above all names. In the name of Jesus. Come on now, I want you to just raise your hands one more time and thank him. Come on muster up something inside of you that's been for a long period of time you know God's been good to you you know you don't deserve it but God has delivered upon his promises he shows up better than Amazon ever would he can show up at your doorstep he can meet you right where you're at and God will deliver the goods today hallelujah oh I thank you Jesus oh I bless you Lord oh hallelujah glory to the Lamb Lord I feel your presence in this house today Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I give you glory today. I give you glory in the name above all names. At the name of Jesus. Come on, let's say that name together. Can we say it? Jesus. There's something about that name. The name of Jesus. Remember my mother years ago, she said, she was telling the story about she was being in a car car wreck, a car accident. Before this happened, she looked in the rearview mirror and this car was coming down the highway at about 60 to 70 miles an hour and she was stopped. And she said, Tim, all I could do in that split moment was say the name of Jesus. That should have killed her. She got the... the Emergency response team got there and they said, there's no way this woman's living in here. She made, she walked out. Why do I believe that? Because she called on the name of Jesus. Oh, see, we call on a lot of people. We call on our neighbor. We call on people. But I don't know about you. There's certain circumstances in my life. I can't call anybody else, but I got to get on the horn with Jesus. I got to get on the phone with Jesus and just say, Jesus, I need you. Hallelujah.